This is an Ion Annapolis bonus podcast. Well, I'll tell you what, we're recording this on the morning of January 12th, 2023. And so far in the first 11 days of 2023, there have been 22 mass shooting incidents in the United States, resulting in 31 deaths, 89 injuries. And Maryland was one of them. 11 days. On the phone with us is a Navy grad and the chief strategy officer of a company that has taken strides to reduce that number. Kieran Carroll from Zero Eyes. Welcome. How are you? Hey, John. Thanks for having me. Well, I'll tell you, man, back in 2018, Annapolis learned firsthand that mass shootings can happen anywhere. Uh, When a gunman stormed into our local paper and killed five reporters and employees. And unfortunately, we're living in a time where we can't ask if the next shooting will happen because we're always asking when and where. And Zero Eyes seems to be on the way to helping to quell that a little bit. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, I can give a little bit of a a background on Zero Eyes. Um, You know, Zero Eyes started back in 2018 after the Parkland shooting happened. Uh, We're a software manufacturer, and our software is designed to integrate to existing commercial security cameras that are literally in in every venue today. They're all over public K-12 and and most commercial enterprises. And our software is designed to do one thing. It's designed to identify a visible firearm uh, and then send a series of alerts um, when when that firearm is detected. So it's it's very simple object recognition. You're using, you know, AI to detect the guns. And I'm, I'm presuming there's some sort of, and, and I'm not even going to pretend to understand the technology behind it, but there's probably going to be some sort of a, an algorithm that determines the shape and density and all that kind of stuff. And you humanly verify that. Software is going to say, hey, we think this is a gun. And you guys identify it yourself? Correct. So it's exactly how you described it. So the software is comprised of algorithms that look for the shape of a gun. Um, the data that comprises those algorithms are, is all built in-house by the Zeroize team. We don't use anything that comes from like, you know, the internet, for example, or any other third-party data source. And then once the software detects something, which happens very quickly within milliseconds, that gets then further reviewed by a, a human analyst. In this case, it's most likely going to be the Zeroize team that, that does that as part of our service. Our analysts are, are, for the most part, former military veterans or law enforcement veterans, so they're very comfortable making a split-second decision whether something is a, a real threat or not. And the end goal is we, you know, we, we never want to send a false positive onto the end user and have that turn into a false alarm and potentially a problematic law enforcement response. So our goal is to weed out anything uh, that is not a true threat. Um, so we, we do this 24-7, 365 on behalf of our customers. We have an operations center right outside of Philadelphia. We have another one in Hawaii. Um, and like I said, we, we, we staff highly competent people, um, in, in those analyst roles. When you're talking about a split section decision, when you sit, sit there and see that, I mean, do you, there's so many reasons that a, a gun either for good reasons or bad reasons will be brought into a workplace, a school, you know, anywhere, a mall. Do you dispatch it as, Hey, this is somebody out waving a gun. I mean, is that, is that what the police and the security are getting that, hey, there's somebody out there with a gun displaying it or that we saw this person, we believe he's got a gun? I mean, I'm I'm thinking that if, if I'm wearing a long coat and wind blows it out and you see a gun strapped to my side, your software should pick that up, right? Yeah. So in general, you know, if you're a if you're a human who's sitting behind an active security camera feed and you're looking at the feed and, and you can tell that something is a gun, our software should be able to make the same detection. I think, you know, a little bit of it is a judgment call, right? So, and that's why we're really sort of relying on on highly trained analysts to sort of make a split second decision, whether something looks right or not. 
most of the guns that we see are, are in hand, right? They're, they're brandished. Uh, so based on customer protocols and, and, and their preferences, we, we tend to, you know, treat those as real as a, as a potential threat. Obviously, the, the end user is going to be the final arbiter of, of who's good or bad. Um, we also have the ability to uh, identify somebody as a friendly within the platform. So, for example, someone who's clearly law enforcement or, or clearly military, because we're on a bunch of military bases, for example, we're able to say that the algorithms made a, a, a correct detection, but we don't necessarily assess them to be a threat. So does that kind of make sense? Absolutely. Well, I mean, do you have any plans? I mean, Ken, so you said this is actually with guns that are visible. Um, so it's not detecting any kind of concealed bulges in jackets or, you know, people walking funny because they're avoiding a gun that may be strapped to their side or anything like this. This is for when a gun is actually brought out into view, right? C- correct. Yeah. The, the gun largely has to be to be visible or brandished. There's a lot of problems, obviously, with, with trying to do concealed detection. And, you know, for one thing, it, it really quickly become a, a false positive management issue. And if you're wrong about something, you're potentially setting up your end user for a confrontation that doesn't necessarily have to happen. And then, of course, there, there's, you know, with the Second Amendment, I think there's 32 states right now where you can carry legally to some degree, either openly or concealed. Um, so it's really hard in a lot of you know, public places. It's really hard necessarily determine someone who might be carrying legally as opposed to someone who's you know carrying with like a nefarious intent i think sort of the, the universal truth that we that we keep you know finding is that most people understand the utility of the detection um, and an alert when the, when the gun is visible at that point most people are like okay well this could be a potential threat and even in some places like you know retail environments and other places that our software is deployed where folks are able to legally carry our customers say like, you know, if, if the gun is visible, at least someone should go have a conversation with that person. Right. Um, I think, you know, people are really sort of skittish after a series of, of mass shootings and active shootings in places like Walmart and some other big box retail. So they're trying to be a little bit more proactive. They're trying to go and, and address potential problems before they, before they start. You know, I've got to think that the detection as far as when the gun is drawn or displayed, I imagine the seconds or perhaps minutes between the time somebody pulls a gun out and actually fires it is critical to law enforcement and security. Absolutely. Our goal is to buy back precious seconds and minutes and start the clock for first responders. Um, ideally, you know, minutes before they would typically be notified. Uh, you know, really good example as we start sort of look at active shooter and mass shooter statistics. One of the things that we, that we keep finding is that Active shooters tend to start in a staging area, like a parking lot or a parking garage or a loading dock or, you know, a stairwell. And oftentimes, I would say the majority of the time, they have a visible firearm uh, that's in that, you know, brandished in view. And a lot of the time there's an active security camera with, with coverage of that area, right? So that, that gives us an incredible opportunity to identify that, that bad actor early in the sequence, oftentimes before they even go into the part of the building where they're going to shoot or into, um, you know, sort of like into the main area. If you look back at uh, numerous active shooter events in K through 12, this is, this is a very typical occurrence. Um, you know, Uvalde, for example, that guy came across the parking lot. He actually shot at the school from outside uh, prior to entering into the building in Parkland. Um, you know, that, that shooter staged in a stairwell uh, with a, with a visible firearm, visible rifle under field of view of the existing camera 
that was on and active and recording prior to going into the sort of the main hallway and starting to shoot other kids. We also saw this in, in Sandy Hook where he got out of a vehicle, he shot his way in through sort of the, the, the front door. You know, in Columbine, they they walked literally in and out of the front door multiple times over about a 30-minute period with, with visible guns. So it, this is like a psychological thing oftentimes that we see. Um, and obviously, you know, if, if you have a security camera that is has some zero-eye software on there, the goal is to get that early detection. We take a we take a latitude and longitude position of every camera that we integrate to and we put it on a map, right? So when the alert comes in, it's correlated down to a uh, basically a geolocation. So it's like almost like X marks the spot. We're trying to get first responders to go as quickly and efficiently to, to where that threat is instead of having to start at the front door and sort of clear the way through the building, which is, you know, obviously it's going to slow them down. We're really trying to buy, buy back a lot of time that, that uh, you know, quite frankly, responders need. Seconds, seconds do definitely count. And I sit there, I mean, you talked about Uvalde and I mean, you know, that was, you know, they didn't know it for a period. I mean, that was a sort of a botched deal anyway, but I mean, it was, they didn't know where, where they were and the use of the camera. I mean, I would imagine with you guys, you're able to sit there and obviously let's get a description. Okay. I mean, I know cameras can be good or bad, but I mean, you can say, okay, it looks like it's a single person with a assault style rifle. Or it is a, it's two people with handguns, and correct that and give give the first responders a little bit of a of a boost going into this. Correct, and 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 um, you know, one of the beauties of modern software, right, is we we could push the image. Like law enforcement can get the image. Uh, they'll get the image of what the shooter looks like, what, what they're armed with, where they are in the building, geolocated on a map that you know tells them exactly where it is under field of view of that camera within seconds. So we're not really necessarily relying on voice communication. That is obviously a, a component of our platform and our software. And the way our software works is, you know, we're automatically connected to the, the local 911 dispatch center once we, you know, verify something as real, um, as well as to, to folks on site. So in, in a school use case, you know, typically it would be like the superintendent of the district and their staff and anybody who's involved from a safety and security perspective, like a school resource officer, or if the districts have officers from local precincts that are in and out of the school all day long. We have the ability to send out that notification simultaneously to everybody involved. That's fantastic. So, I mean, if, if uh, again, if a shooter were to come in one door, uh, you you know that they're in this door, that you know that they're solo until somebody else displays another weapon coming in another way. And you're able to tell tell the first responders that this is where he is. And they, you know, that gives them a heads up to be able to, you know, catch him off a of guard you know, come down a strange hallway that they didn't expect or in through a window out of a classroom if it's in a school or something like that. Um, Correct. This is not hardware. This is software. You keep mentioning that it is software. So this is usable on any, you mentioned commercial camera? Yeah, so a, a, any any security camera, um, you know, we're, we're, we're camera agnostic, you know, by and large for the most part. We prefer to work with digital networked cameras, IP cameras, that kind of thing which the good news is the vast majority of cameras on the market today are, are digital IP cameras. Um, but our goal is to be as, as camera agnostic as possible and really, you know, just be able to integrate to, to what's already in place so that schools and other customers don't have to rip and replace cameras or upgrade their cameras. So we're, we're trying to obviously save, help them save costs there. Our team will come on site. We'll, we'll assess and we'll make sure that, you know, all the cameras are, are, are functional and that we can work with them. Um, but the good news is, you know, by and large, you know, and, and just so you know, our software right now is within K through 12. I think we're in about 25 states across various public K through 12 districts. 
school districts, to their credit, have done a really good job over the last you know 10 years upgrading infrastructure. Um, so we typically don't have issues uh, when we go into schools. The cameras are usually you know very solid and we're able to work on them easily. I guess the easy question is, did this, was this work with like the ring cameras and the home home cameras, the doorbell cameras and stuff like that? You know, it, it, it's, it's on the product roadmap. Um, it's something that I think we're going to take a, a hard look at down the road. Um, that, that'd be more of like a, you know, business to consumer model, uh, which, you know, right now we're, we're really just sort of focused on like enterprise level customers, businesses, schools, you know, th- that kind of thing. But, but I think down the road, I think, yes. And I, I think that would be a, a viable use case right. um, for, for a lot of folks. What, what about an instance like in a stadium? Sure. Yeah, we, you know, we, we have stadium customers and, uh, you know, sort of a, a event location venues that are customers. I think we're, we're a really powerful use case for the externals to the stadium. You, know, you think of most stadiums, you have to go through a heightened level of security anyway to just enter. Um, most of the time it's like a metal detector and, or, you know, some sort of like a wand. But the, the parking lots and the parking garages and the loading docks are generally unsecured. And that's where a, quite a lot of gun violence tends to happen. So if, obviously, if there's good camera coverage out there, I think we're a pretty good use case to go into those areas where people are tailgating or, you know, public transportation sort of uh, funnels people into the, the stadium area. We, we see a lot of gun violence in these in these places. Interesting. And what about it like in, a, in an actual stadium? I'm, I'm picturing a, somebody somehow gets a gun in, we'll say to the Super Bowl or something like that. And they're sitting up there in the 800 level and there's, you know, cameras that are just sort of panning the whole stadium. I mean, they're not specifically in on people. I mean, is that able to pick out a gun in a, in a wide angle shot or does it have to be fairly? So that's a great question. So I think like everything, it's going to depend. Uh, there's, there's quite a lot of variability that goes into cameras, right? There's, you know, heights and angles and, and background lighting and different environmental conditions and that kind of thing. I think a, a, a good general statement is that it goes back to, you know, if a human can accurately identify a firearm from that existing camera feed, our software should be able to do the same thing. So with pan tilt zoom, zoom cameras and that kind of thing, as long as there's not a ton of, of what we call tearing, um, you know, m- meaning that when it's, when, it, when the view is slewing around, if, it, if there's lag in between, each stitching of the of the frame, if, if, if we don't have that and it's a very sort of even um, you know pan, we should be fine. And we, we and we operate on cameras like that all the time, particularly in larger um, you know uh, like courtyard areas and that kind of thing where um, they, they make a little bit more sense to have. As we're talking here, Karen, I'm I'm thinking of all the uses. I mean, obviously we talked about schools, but I'm thinking just commercial buildings. Okay, where the Capitol shooting was here in Annapolis. I know the building owner is still being sued for, you know, lack of security there. But, what you know, warehouses, I mean, we hear about disgruntled former employees, you know, all too frequently going into, into warehouses. Um, I know that municipalities have cameras out on the streets all over the place. Um, now, is that is that a use that this could work with? And like, if could this work in a high crime section of town? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So we have, you know, multiple municipalities that are customers and the, the use case is a little bit different. It, it, it's it's more focused on gang violence. It's more focused into places like parks and street corners um, and, and housing where they've had, you know, everything from shootings, but, but more oftenly it's, it's gang activity and something I didn't know, but apparently gang members flash guns at each other all the time it's initiation stuff. It's, it's just for daily activity for them. Interesting. Cities are, cities are putting us into cameras where historically um, this type of activity happens. And, and the goal is not necessarily to prevent an, an active shooter or mass shooting. It's, it's 
how do you identify someone who's you know a, a potentially bad actor and take them off the street? Um, so we work with multiple municipalities across the U.S. to, to do that. Real time crime centers, uh, they're, they're smart city IoT deployments, um, and then as far as you know the, the the commercial enterprise space for us, we do a lot of work with it with third party lo- uh, logistics and manufacturing. Like you said, a, a lot of these organizations with COVID and, and and the tight labor market, they've been forced to hire people with you know less than perfect backgrounds, criminal backgrounds. There's a lot of domestic violence that sort of spills over into some of these places. A lot of issues in the parking lots. A lot of um, you know gun violence threats. So yes, we're we're doing quite a lot of work in, in, with a lot of those customers, and then other places, you know, shopping malls, uh, commercial property groups, big box retail, healthcare, uh, healthcare in particular is, is really big for us right now. Just unfortunately, places where that are open to the public, you have a hard time securing it, and there's just you know a plethora of guns out there. It's kind of terrifying. Uh, we also integrate stuff like the local 911 dispatch centers, and we do this through a partnership with a company called Rapid SOS. Rapid SOS owns data pathways to your local 911 dispatch centers so that when ZeroEyes verifies something on our end, within a couple seconds, we're able to push that verified alert directly to a dispatch operator's screen. So they're going to have, most of the time, they'll have the image, timestamp, geolocation of, of where that person with the gun is. And then they can sort of relay that back out to officers in the field and patrol cars and, and that kind of thing. Um, and then we also have the ability to integrate to sort of common operating picture tools, very commonly used within public safety agencies you know, sort of an overlay of, of all the different activities that they have going on. We're able to put our alerting directly into that too, so that they have a little bit more of a, a heads up and situational awareness. That's fantastic. I mean, so in a perfect world as the dispatcher, I mean, you're, you're notifying a school, we'll use a school as I think you're notifying a school that there, there is the potential active shooter on the premises. You can get the doors locked down. You can get, the first responders rolling and as they're rolling, their dispatchers are saying, we're looking for a, and I'll stereotype it, you know, a white, you know, a white male about six foot tall with a, with an assault style rifle um, going across the parking lot toward the North door. Correct. Yes. All before shots fired. I mean, yeah, best case scenario. Yes, of course. Um, I think we're also a, a good tool, you know, unfortunately, if shots are fired and, um, you know, we, we've seen this play out a, a bunch recently with, with, with school shootings, but, uh, you know, it's, it's the ability to find somebody as quickly as possible inside the school as they're moving across subsequent fields of views of cameras um, and, and vector law enforcement first responders directly to the threat. You know, most of the time when, when police show up, they go to the front door. Uvalde was a, a good example. And then it takes them, you know, time to sort of figure out what's happening and sort of clear through the school or, or the building. You know, what if they could just know where to sort of go directly correlated to the camera? And alongside of our of our mapping, is, is there, there's a floor plan that, that comes as part of the product. So they're able to see, you know, roughly exactly sort of where they're supposed to go. You know, the in, uh, in, in Michigan, in November of 2021, Michigan had a, a mass shooting event at a high school in Oakland County. And... The, the school did everything as far as I'm concerned. You know, they, they, they were really quick to lock the building down, really quick, quick to lock the, 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 uh, the classrooms down. The, sc- the shooter started in the bathroom and then he proceeded to walk through the hallways for about another three minutes with, a, with an openly brandished pistol in front of many security cameras. And he, he shot uh, a bunch more kids. Oakland County School District's uh, problem was that they did not know where the kid was for almost three minutes. 
And it turns out, you know, they, they started and, and started clearing through the building in, in, in areas where, where he had not been or was not there. And if they had just been able to sort of geolocate him um, in one of the hallways, they could have got it to him probably in half the time, if, if not faster than that. So th- this is an ongoing problem we see constantly, not just in schools, but in other sort of commercial environments as well. As you were saying that, I, w- I was thinking, I, w- I just wrote down on my pad here, I said escape, you know, and, and by knowing that there is one shooter or there's two shooters or there's five shooters, whatever it may be, knowing where they are, that could be, okay, well, to get out of this classroom, we need we can't go out the door. We need to go out the window. Or it's safe to go out the door and down the hallway and down the steps or whatever it may be. I mean, I mean, oh, wow. I mean, how has the reception for the software been from your customers? I mean, your customers loving it or? As far as I can tell, yeah, they're, they're, they're loving it. We have um, huge, huge advocates within our customer base. Um, I, I think a, a sort of a good benchmark for a, a business is whether your customers are referring you to other prospective customers. I would say that the, the vast majority of our business comes inbound through our existing customers, which is always a, a good thing. And obviously, we strive for that. You know, we want to delight our customers. So as far as I can tell, yes. And, and the other thing, too, is we, we detect guns all the time in places that there shouldn't be. I'm a parent. I have three kids. I never would have thought I would have seen as many firearms or firearm-like objects in schools. A lot of it these days is driven by social media challenges on TikTok and Instagram and Tumblr to bring a gun or like a BB gun or an airsoft gun into a school and have kids like fill themselves with it or, or, or whatever the case may be. We see this kind of activity all the time. We see it after hours too. Like even, you know, just on, on Sunday night, nine o'clock at night, we saw a, a kid in a Pennsylvania school who had a gun. And it, it, it's shocking. Like, honestly, it's shocking. I, I, I never would have thought that we see this type of activity. And I, again, largely driven by social media, uh, which is sort of a, a, pheno- a recent phenomenon. Yeah, I would say. Now, is, is your software able to determine a real gun and a fake gun? So uh, it, it's going to be it's, it's going to be image based. Um, OK, obviously, if something's like a squirt gun, right, or something like that. Sure. There's a, a good chance we're going to be able to, to tell that it's it's fake. Right. But, but, but a good a good a good handheld baby gun, you're not you're not going to be tell, able to tell the difference between that and a real pistol. Most likely not. And even if our analyst was, most of our customers would prefer us to handle that as a real threat. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, we're going to treat it as real. And, and we, we see it all the time. So if there's a gray area, we're going to we're going to treat it sort of as a full blown like law enforcement style alert. Uh, for the ones that um, we, we're, we're very confident that are, there's another challenge out there called the Orbeats Challenge. Orbeats is a manufacturer of a gun that shoots little gel-filled pellets. In some cases, the form factor looks very similar to that of a real gun. But our analysts are like the best in the world. They, they, they'll know within a second or two of looking at it if that's real or not. And like I said, our, our goal is always de-escalation. So if we can clearly tell that something is not lethal, we are not going to escalate it into those channels because we don't want a law enforcement response that could potentially be uh, an issue. So does that, does that kind of make sense? Is yeah. This, we, and we, and we, we drill to this and train to it all the time. Let's say there's an alert and your, your analyst says, Hey, we've, we've got an issue here. We push all the buttons and all the police and security are rolling. The doors are locking and all the beepers are going off. I guess we don't have beepers anymore, but the cell phones are giving alerts and everything else. Um, as that suspect may be moving around in the building, is your analyst looking at this again and sitting there saying, well, wait a minute, this may not be a legitimate gun? 
I mean, is that? A, I, I mean, I don't know whether it's happened, but I mean, is that something that would is reasonable to happen? It, it is reasonable to happen. Um, it, as long as someone has that gun across multiple sort of cameras, we're able to sort of track them. Um, a, a, a better sort of best practice is once we get that sort of initial series of detections, oftentimes customers are able to take control of their cameras and do follows and, and that kind of thing uh, with, with their cameras and sort of handoffs from camera to camera. And they're oftentimes able to sort of understand behavior a little bit better. But if, if we have the ability to sort of make that, uh, you know, sort of ascertain that, of course, we're, we're going to pass it on to the end user. And we're, we're like I said, we're, we're in constant communication once that first detection happens over the phone and other other channels. Well, I, I, one of the things before we wrap up, I mean, we talked about your customers are happy with this. What about their customers? Um, have you Do you have any measurement on whether – the students, the staff, the, um, you know, the employees of schools, the, uh, you know, the customer that's walking into the Walmart or whoever, whatever the store or mall may be, is feeling safer knowing that this technology is working for them? You know, that that's a really good, great question. I, I think it's an important discussion that end users uh, have to have. Um, and some, some are very public about it. I think in particular, the, the school districts generally um, inform parents and students of you know whatever security measures that they're that they're taking, uh, on the commercial side, it's it's they might do it or they might not. It just sort of depends. Um, we've never actually pulled customers of customers, so that's something interesting that maybe we can uh, maybe we can start doing. But one of the things that we do, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention this, we work a lot at the policy level um, with various stakeholders, various grassroots organizations, to make sure that everyone is on board. So just for for awareness. The, the way I like to think of our platform is that we we thread the needle very um, very thoughtfully between the Second Amendment debate and the, and the privacy debate. Our software is not doing anything uh, from a behavioral perspective, right? So we don't do facial recognition or facial detection or any other behavioral characterization. We're we're very attuned to um, data privacy and, and and privacy concerns. We also don't have the ability to look into active camera feeds. This is an, another privacy thing. Our software is just really quick image verification, okay. and then on the, on the second on the Second Amendment side, you know, we're we're not we're not an advocate of taking away people's guns. You know, we're not we're not trying to detect people that are lawfully carrying concealed. But like I said before, you know, I think most people understand that once a gun is in your hand or brandished, someone somewhere should should be notified. So what what this has sort of turned into is from a policy standpoint, we have a lot of elected officials, bipartisan, who are sort of getting behind it as a uh, sort of a viable and an affordable common sense solution um, that's a technology solution instead of trying to go deep into the, the, the social issues that, you know, the, the country still quite frankly has to solve. In Maryland, for example, you know, we, we have a proposal up uh, with the new governor to pilot the technology into 10 different school districts in Maryland across, you know, roughly 5,000 cameras or so for a year. And that's largely so that we can collect the type of uh, sort of sentiments that you were talking about, right? You know, talking to the, the school groups and, and teachers and superintendents to get their thoughts and school boards and then talking to parents, talking to, you know, to students to get their thoughts, um, sort of running it from a, from a, 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 a data collection standpoint of, you know, let's look at sort of key performance indicators and key performance metrics. Let's take a look at Maryland school infrastructure and what we're trying to do is we're trying to get the state to um, sort of dip their toe in the water, right? And, and see if this is sort of a, a, a baseline 
solution that they can push into all the schools eventually. We're having success in other states doing that, particularly in, in Michigan and Texas, because they have energized legislatures coming off, you know, major school shootings where they just public demand is, is making them sort of um, adopt emerging you know, technology and solutions like that. But in Maryland in particular, um, we're really focused on, on just the state getting comfortable with it. Uh, and obviously, we're going to do everything we can to delight our customer and, and, and all that kind of stuff. The other thing I like to say, too, is, you know, I, I look at zero eyes as, as an equity, uh, almost as an equity thing, right? The school districts that have really uh, wealthy tax bases are able to afford zero eyes easily. The ones that aren't are the more rural districts or the, or the inner city districts where every nickel matters and, and, and counts. What we don't want is, and we never want this, we, we don't want kids that come from wealthier districts to necessarily have better security, just, just, just based on their zip code. You know, our, our thought, the state legislatures is let's baseline this uh, across all the districts, right? Let's, let's, let's get their infrastructure up to a, a, a um, to a point where they can you know, su- support and sustain a emerging technology like zero eyes. I think we've had really good success with that messaging because I absolutely believe, you know, absolutely believe it to be true. Interesting. Interesting. Makes sense to me. Can you, can you detect other kind of weapons? I mean, I know we've had some instances where students have brought knives into school and stuff like that. And again, I, I, I realize that's, you have to brandish it, but I mean, are you just really focused on guns? Um, we are focused on firearms uh, for now. Um, we have aspirations to do bladed weapons and, and edge weapons. Uh, eventually it's on the product roadmap. There's, there's a couple of challenges um, here in the U S we, we typically don't run very high resolution uh, cameras um, so that again, it's, it's going to become sort of a false positive management issue. We also, uh, you know, here in the U S a ton of people carry knives just, in general um they shouldn't be in schools so i'll I'll definitely say that where i think we'll probably introduce that is to start probably somewhere like in the uk where they have a huge knife problem uh people are carrying around like machetes and steak knives and we're going to start with bigger bladed objects and then work our way down okay um but 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 the way that we build the software the proprietary aspects of how we actually train the model lend itself well to do any sort of object in hand with high confidence so we do want to be the first one to market with it very high confidence knife, uh, knife detection solution. Well, I'll tell you, it seems to me like zero eyes is not a solution to the mass shootings, but it certainly is a large arrow in the quiver that we take into battle against these. You not, you're not going to prevent some guy or girl from parking in a parking lot and walking into a school with a gun, but you can reduce the deaths reduce the injuries to both obviously victims and law enforcement that are, that are doing this and without really infringing on any, any rights, whether it be privacy or, or gun rights. Um, we all have rules that we need to abide by. You're not supposed to have guns in schools or in stadiums or wherever it may be. And this is a way, a way to do it. This, I think this technology is wonderful. I mean, I think that, um, I would love to see it in every school in Maryland. I'd love to see it in many municipalities in Maryland um, out use, utilized out on their streets because I think it could really go far in, you know, stopping or reducing some of the crime that we see. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we're, we're one uh, part of a, of a layer of solutions. I think the first layer should start with mental health, uh, obviously. Um, but by the time that someone's made up their, their mind, you know, to your point that they're going to go do this, it, the, the mental health debate is 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 meaningless at, at that point, right? So it's how do you proactively sort of you know try to detect something either prior to it happening or as it's happening, how do you vector first responders in? 
So we're, we're one layer to a sort of a multi-layered security approach, but we're trying to be the most proactive layer um, as, as possible. Fantastic. Kieran Carroll from Zero Eyes, Chief Strategy Officer, thank you so much for your time today. And this is a great insight to some technology that's, uh, I would say, coming out, but it's not. It's available now. And, you know, I would encourage people that are listening to, if if this is something that you that you want and that you feel would be good, let's, you know, talk to your school principals, talk to your, you know, make make your voice known that, you know, we do need to have, provide safe schools and safe spaces for everybody to live. And this is just one way of being able to take a big step toward that. But I want to thank you so much for your time this morning and, um, you know, all, all the best in, in your lobbying. And I hope to see this in the schools in Maryland in, in, in the coming years. Yes, sir. My, my pleasure. Thank you. Uh, thank you for giving us the opportunity to uh, share a little bit about the company. This has been a bonus podcast from Ion Annapolis. Please visit us at ionanapolis.net. Follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at Ion Annapolis. And if you haven't subscribed to the Daily News Brief podcast, go for it. And all of your local news will be delivered to your phone, tablet, or smart device by 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday.